Uh, last week, we accepted members, and uh, we had not really done that before. I had some conversations this week, and uh, helped me see it was kind of clumsy the way that we did it, and so I just want to ask that you'll forgive me for any confusion that it caused any of you guys. Uh, we are going to re- release a video this week that will better explain kind of the process and the purpose and uh, how you can be involved, so I'd encourage you to check your emails this week. It'll probably be Wednesday or Thursday. We'll get that out. Uh, if you aren't currently getting emails from us and you'd like to get emails, uh, go on our website, ccwky.org, and register there, and that'll sign you up for our email uh, address list. So thanks for your patience. Work in progress. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about the highway to hell uh, and the road to redemption. We're looking at Luke chapter 15. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, I hope you brought your Bibles to church. You get extra credit points in heaven when you bring your Bibles to church. Luke 15. How many of you uh, have a habit of getting lost and having a hard, hard time finding your way home? How many of you? Handful, sheepishly. I see a lot of ladies' hands up. Uh, let, me, let me ask a follow-up question. How many of you have, are married to a spouse who gets lost but is too stubborn to admit and ask for directions? Yeah, also a lot of ladies' hands up. Yeah. Uh, Truth of the matter is, we're living in confusing times and uh, in a sometimes very dark world, and it's easy to lose your way. It's very easy to lose your way, and the truth of the matter is, we can be foolish, and we can all be a little bit stubborn, and so it's hard to find your way home. It's hard to find your way home. And so today, I want to take a closer look at the lost son. We've been looking at this passage for several weeks now, and my prayer today is that we can learn from the mistakes that he made and that we'd be inspired by the journey back home. So let's all stand together, Luke chapter 15. I'll begin reading in verse 11. Jesus also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate and foolish living. After he had spent... Everything. A severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word, Lord. It's timeless and it's true. Help us to trust it today. Speak through me, Lord, exactly what these people need to hear. Take a moment as you stand there with your eyes closed and just say a prayer for the people that are in this room with you. Pray for those that are watching online. Pray that somebody who is 
a prodigal, somebody who's far from God today, doesn't know how to make their way home, that they'll, they'll hear this message and be changed. Pray for our city, especially the government here in our city, that God's will will be done in Winchester. Let's pray that all the darkness, all the evil will be exposed for what it is and be brought to light. Take a moment and pray for yourself. Pray a prayer something like this. Father, speak to me. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Luke 15, 11. Jesus tells a parable. Uh, this, a parable is a, a teaching tool Jesus used. He's a master, master communicator. And so uh, verse 11, he says, uh, a man had two sons. And so this is a story about a father who has two sons. And and Jesus tells us this story, and, and as we're listening to it, what he wants us to do is associate the father in this story with God the Father. And then he wants to, us to relate ourselves to the two sons, because the truth of the matter is, depending on what circumstance you're in in your life, we, we tend to be like one of the two sons. And so today I want to focus on the son who finds himself on a road, on a journey that I call the highway to hell. And we're going to learn a lot about the highway to hell today. The first thing that stuck out to me as I was studying this week is the highway to hell begins with one step away from the father. Just one step away from the father. Look at verse 12. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate that I have coming to me. So the father distributed the assets to him. Now, uh, when you're reading the Bible, one of the good things that you can do as you're reading the Bible, as you're reading, just write down any questions you have. Like in this story, one of the questions I have is, what motivated this son to have this request of his dad? Because this is a harsh request, isn't it? He's saying to his dad, I, I wish you were dead, but you just keep on, you're like the Energizer Bunny, you just keep on going. I don't think you're ever going to die. Give me, my, I don't want you, but I want your stuff. That's harsh. What motivated that? Well, you would think, you know, and just, you would think, well, maybe this, this dad is not like a very nice dad. But then you read the story, and then what you see in the father, well, I talked about it last week, what do you see in the father? He's so compassionate and caring and loving and gracious, and, and he's just a, he's a great, you can tell he's a great dad. In verse 31, he says to the older brother who's acting like a brat, he says, I've always been with you. You've always been with me, and everything I have is yours. It's like I've not held anything good back from you. And so this is a good dad, and this, this request doesn't come from a, the place of a, a being a harsh father, this place comes from the spirit of an arrogant son. You see, the dad has house rules. Every good father has house rules, right? And so they're boundary markers. They're terms for living in my house. And any dad who wants to build a flourishing house is going to have some house rules. He's going to have some boundary markers. And as long as the son stays within the boundary markers, he has the blessing of the father. He's under the protection and the provision of the father. But outside the walls, outside of the boundary markers, the son is on his own, and he's more vulnerable to deadly threats. And so when this arrogant son looks at the boundary markers, he doesn't see protection and provision. He sees a prison. 
He isn't grateful for all the dad's trying to do to protect and provide for him and lead him in the right way. Instead, he wants to escape. He doesn't believe the father has the best, his son's best interests at heart. He thinks that his best life would be one free from the father's rules. And so the son demands of the father autonomy over his life. He says, give me access to the trust fund. Friends, God's law and created order are the boundary markers. They're the house rules for this world he has created. They're they're the rules for living in the kingdom that he's trying to build. And these rules are not to make us slaves. They're not to hold us back. They're for our good. It's for human flourishing that God gives us these rules. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is Moses talking to this new nation called Israel. These are God's chosen people. And God through Moses says this, See, today I set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinance, so that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. It is so arrogant of us to believe that we know better than the Father. Let me tell you the conversation that people who, are, who begin this journey on the highway to hell, the conversation that they're having with God. They say to God, in essence, this is their internal dialogue, God, I know that you're the creator and sustainer of the world. I admit that. It's obvious to me. And uh, I know that you've got to set these boundary markers that you want me to live in, and you call these places, you call these boundary markers, they're good, they've, they've landed in good places for me, so this is for my good, is what you're telling me, and that there's death outside of these boundary markers, and you say these boundary markers are timeless and unchanging, this is the way you've created things to be, and, and you don't shift like shifting shadows, so this is how it is, and throughout human history, these boundary markers have proven to be trustworthy and true, leading to human flourishing, but I know all that to be true, but I'm 18 now, and I just watched a three-hour YouTube video of a guy that was wearing glasses, and he's got a million subs. And between what this guy told me in the three-hour YouTube video and my feelings, God, I just think that you're wrong. I think, you know, we've kind of figured things out a little bit better than the way you started setting things in motion, and so I'm just going to kind of do things my own way. If you would, just kind of back up. How arrogant of us to think that we know better than God. How arrogant. What does the Bible say? Pride comes before the what? The fall. One step away from the Father. That's where the highway to hell begins. And the highway to hell, second thing that I saw this week, is a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. So he begins, he just asks for access to his trust fund. I just want control over my future assets. But then look at verse 3, Luke 15, verse um, 31. 13, sorry. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country. He started off, just, just just give me my trust fund. That's all it was. I just want access over my accounts. That's all. But not many days later, not long after that, he leaves the father's house and goes off to a distant country. Do you see? The highway to hell is a slippery 
It's a slippery slope. The moment you begin to question the authority of the Father's word and ways, not long after that, you will fall into greater sin. Years ago, I was leading a church in Hardin County, and uh, I was preaching to them pretty hard there for a season about the dangers of compromising with a godless culture. I was preaching to them about it, and I said, I said, a little compromise here and there is going to lead the whole world to hell. And people came to me because I was so specific, and this is what gets me in trouble, I get too specific with things. Because I was so specific, people came to me and they said, Jeff, you're overreacting. The slippery slope is a fallacy. That's not really true. But let's look at what's happened culturally, okay? Years ago, when all this kind of really surfaced to the, 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 where it's culturally, we're seeing what's happening culturally, it was LGB, right? It was LGB, and LGB wanted tolerance. And this is what I was saying during that season. I would say, hey, as Christians, we can't tolerate the things Jesus died to save us from. We can't do that. Kindness, yes. Respect, dignity for every person, regardless. Yes, yes, yes. But we can't accept what God calls sin. We can't do that. So it started out and said, okay, this is a problem. We got, we got to really push back against this. No, 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 slippery slope. That's a fallacy. Then it went from LGB just wanting tolerance to wanting acceptance. Equal access, equal rights under the law. And this is what I said at the time. I said, friends, it's not going to stop with LGB. It's not going to stop there. You're opening the door to so much more. And now what do we have? We have an L and a G and a B and a T and a Q and a plus. What's the plus? The plus is whatever sexual deviancy, whatever kind of lifestyle, it's just open-ended, right? It was a slippery slope. We all are seeing this play out culturally over the last 20 years. Now they want a firm. We want, they want to affirm this lifestyle greater access, greater rights under the law. Soon, they will want us to participate in this lifestyle. This last week, there was a bill passed federally that will compromise. It does threaten religious liberty. And it will, it could lead to a place where people like me, churches like us, will be prosecuted for not affirming and celebrating LGBTQ+. Now, all that to say this, was the slippery slope true culturally? Yes or no? If it was true culturally, what makes you think it's not true for you personally? Do you see? The Bible says that sin so easily entangles. And so it starts, it all starts with just a little pill from mama's medicine cabinet. You know, I'm kind of stressed out. This sounds fun. I'm just going to pop this little pill. Not long after that, needle junkie. It starts small, but it's a slippery slope. It starts, it was just a little bit of innocent flirting at the office. She was cute. She was kind of on me, but it was innocent. Nothing was ever going to happen. Not long after that, family ripped apart because of an affair. It started with, but, you know, Jeff, I've got, I've got friends 
that are in that lifestyle. And, and I know them, and they're good people, and I know God would condone them because they're just such good people. But not long after that, no longer going to church, don't, no longer believe in the Bible, no longer calling themselves a Christian, participating in sexual sin. It's a slippery slope, and it's real. Sin takes you farther than you want to go. It keeps you there longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. It's a slippery, slippery slope. The highway to hell is enjoyable at the start. That's the third thing you need to know. Jesus once said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and how many will find it? Many, many people. Okay, so let's think about this. There's a highway that's labeled hell. This is the highway to hell. Everybody knows it, but there's a bunch of people on the highway. That's bad advertising, right? But people are on it. How come so many people find and get on the highway to hell? It's because at first it looks incredible, right? Look at verse 13. Not many days after that, the younger son gathered all he had, traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. Now, the description after the fact, he squandered his estate in foolish living. That doesn't sound too hot. But this is the description after the fact. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? In the moment, he would have described it a lot differently. In the moment, nothing holding him back. Nobody telling him what to do. He's free for the first time in his life. It's incredible. In a moment, he's got a pocket full of cash, and he's gone off to Sin City, and he's got access to all of these vices, all the drugs he wants, all the booze he wants, casinos, gambling, just, I mean, prostitute, anything and everything. I can have it all. Nothing's holding me back. Surrounded by fun, beautiful people who like to party, full of energy, young, so he's got a lot of stamina, and then, like, his recovery time is great, so it's like, go all night, wake up the next morning, two or three hours. I mean, life is good for this guy. He wakes up every morning with a smile on his face. He's so excited about the adventure of each day. In the moment, I bet he thought he had made the best decision he had ever made, right? disrespecting his father, disowning his family, it was the right call in the moment. But the Bible says that sin is fun for a season. You see that? It is fun. It is pleasurable. It is enjoyable for a season. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. The highway to hell is enjoyable to start. The highway to hell leads to lonely places. Birds of a feather flock together. Okay. If that's true, what kind of friends will a son who disowns his faithful father attract? A disloyal son is going to attract disloyal friends. A selfish son is going to attract what kind of friends? Selfish friends. Look at verse 14, Luke, Luke 15, 14. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Verse 16, he longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. Where'd all his buddies go? 
I mean, you know they were there when he had a pocket full of cash. You know they were, they were there when there was plenty of booze, when all the pretty girls were around. But now he's in need, and where are all his friends? There is no one to give him anything. My wife, she had a cousin who was a drug addict. Incredible guy from everything that I've heard. Great personality. I had a lot of things going from him. But he, he got addicted to drugs, slippery slope. It was like a demon. It grabbed hold of him, and it just wouldn't let go. He had a lot of friends that he would party with. And, you know, they would party all the time. Well, one day, her cousin went missing. Nobody knew anything. He was missing for months. No sign of him. Nobody had any idea. Until one day, a farmer in a backfield found her cousin's body. And come to find out, they were partying back there. He OD'd. All his friends left him to rot because they were afraid to get in trouble. The highway to hell leads to lonely places, doesn't it? The highway to hell will end in shame. Luke 15, 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. The son left the father's house. He was expecting he's going to be the prince of his own kingdom. He's going to be a prince in his own right. I don't need my dad. Just, I just need a little bit of seed money. I'm going to go and make my way. I'm going to make a name for myself in this world. That's what he expected. But what did he find? He ended up homeless, a bum, nothing to eat, in a pit. If you live long enough, you will be ashamed of your rebellious, sinful choices. Is that true? That's why some of you have pictures from high school that you have hidden from your kids because if they ever saw it, you'd be embarrassed. That's why there are certain people that you're cautious to bring your spouse around because you're afraid of what stories from your past they'll tell your spouse. What you bragged about to your buddies, you'll be ashamed about when you stand before your Father in heaven. Because you know your sinful choices are less than what the Father had planned for you. Because you know in your heart you were made for more than the filth that you currently find yourself in. The highway to hell, it leads, it ends in shame. But here's the good news today. The highway to hell has a crossroads. There's a, there's a point in all everybody's journey to that bad place. There's a point where you can turn it around. There's a point where things can change. Look at verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hands had more than enough to eat? And here I am dying. He hit rock bottom, and it was a wake-up call for him. It was better all along in my daddy's house. This was an opportunity for him to turn it all around. But here's the sad thing. There's a lot of people that hit rock bottom, and then they get a shovel and a jackhammer, and then they keep digging. I pastored a young man in my old church, and he was a troubled guy. He didn't have a dad growing up at all. Lived with his mom, and, you know, there's, it's so important for families to be together. It's so important to have a mom and a dad that both love you and invest in you. It was just a difficult situation. 
He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, didn't do very well in school, didn't really have any ambition for his life. He just really struggled in a lot of ways. He was in and out of church and, um, you know, just, I, I liked him a lot, great kid, but one day he got in a fight with his mom and it was one of those knockdown, drag out fights and he was living with his mom and uh, it was just such a bad fight. He, he got the keys to his car. He storms out. He says, I'm never coming back. You'll never see me again. He goes and he picks his girlfriend up. And they go, as they're heading out of town, he stops at a gas station with a BB gun and he robs the gas station. So they get in their car and then they start driving down the interstate. The cops catch up to him and have him trapped. Well, instead of him surrendering, he gets out and starts waving the BB gun around. Got shot multiple times. I don't know how he didn't die, but he didn't. I went to visit him in jail, and I said, buddy, what in the world were you thinking? And he said, Jeff, as I was driving down the interstate with those blue lights in my rearview mirror, I thought about all the stupid things I had done, and I thought about how much I had hurt the people that I loved the most. And I just couldn't envision things getting any better. And so I just wanted to die. And so I got out of my car, and I pointed this BB gun at these police officers because I hoped that they would kill me. And then he said something that broke my heart. He said, I wish they would have. And so I tapped on the glass because he's looking down at this point, and I I told him what I'm going to tell some of you. I don't know if any of you in this room have hit rock bottom, but you need to hear what I told him. There's hope for you. There's somebody watching online, and you need to hear what I told him. There's hope for you. Rock bottom is a wake-up call. It's a crossroads on the highway to hell, and God is calling you. He's calling you back into a restored relationship, and this is all you got to do. Turn away from all those things that got you in the pit. Come back to the Father and just tell him. Tell him you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. And God, listen to me, God will restore you. He will. And this is where people, people like my buddy, this is where they say, I just don't believe that. I mean, how can you be so confident? How can you know? Well, look at what Jesus says, verse 18. The son says, I'll I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven, and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And so this is what the son did. He hit rock bottom. He came to his senses. He says, it was better in my daddy's house. I'm just going to humble myself and go back. And so he turned away from the lifestyle that ended up in the pig pit. He went to the father. He apologized, and he asked for forgiveness. What did the dad do? Verse 22, the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it, and let's celebrate with the feast, because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, so they began to celebrate. Listen, the father could not have restored the son any more fully than he did. 
That's, that's the whole point, friends. If you will just come to the Father, he cannot restore you any more fully than if you just come and you bow before him and he will lift you up. No matter where you are going, where you are on the highway to hell, no matter how far you've drifted from the Father, no matter how many stupid mistakes, selfish mistakes you've done, there's hope for you. Things don't have to be the way they've always been. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. You can have a fresh start, starting right now. There's a new life available to you in Jesus' name because we serve a God of second chances. He's been waiting for you. He's been deeply desiring that you would come back to him. And when you do, he'll cover over all of your guilt and shame. He will embrace you as a son or a daughter. He will celebrate your arrival. He will give you a fresh start and a new life. He will fill you with the thing that your soul's been longing for, but you couldn't find anywhere else. So don't delay. Come to him today. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And, and here's, here's the, other, the other people that I think this resonates with today. Young people. You're full of life and potential. And the thing about it is, because I, I remember what it was like to be a teenager. I remember what it was like to be 20 years old. I remember what it was like. And you think us old farts, we're clueless. Right? We just don't understand the way the world works. How old is this story? 2,000 years old. But isn't this story a story that many of us have lived time and time again? Isn't this a story that many of us have seen time and time again? There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, you think your fashion is new. Just go back to the 90s. There's nothing new. It's got a little bit different lipstick on it, but it's all the same. We've all been tempted to rebel and make our own way. But listen to me, young people. Learn from the lost son. Learn from your mom and your dad. Learn from your pastor. That way, that selfish way, that rebellious way, it leads to hell. God's got so much better for you. Don't make the mistakes that we did. Instead, with everything in you, grab hold of the Father today and don't let go. With everything in you, say, I'm going to live within the boundary markers the Lord has set for me because I know this is where life is found. Resolve yourself today to trust God, to stay in his will. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He alone will satisfy your soul. Let's all stand together. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for your word. You alone have the words of life. Remind us of that today. Lord, I pray if there's any person in this room who's far from you, I pray, Lord, that they'll come and kneel at this altar. They'll come and talk to me. And that they'll be made right with you today. We're saved by grace. Not because we deserve it. None of us deserve it. We're saved because of your kindness and your mercy. We're saved because of who you are. And so I, I pray, Lord, that, that people who are far from you today, that they'll realize that, they'll run to you, and they'll receive the redemption that you want to give them. Lord, I pray for the people that are watching this online. And I pray you'll meet them right where they are. And that even in this moment, they'll be overwhelmed by your loving kindness. That they'll be changed forever. 
Lord, as they come and they kneel before you and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Give me a new heart. One that wants to serve you. Help me to be the person you created me to be. I surrender to you. Redeem them, Lord. Bless us, Tom. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this song of invitation. If anybody needs to be prayed for, please come and kneel at this altar. Let one of our prayer warriors pray over you.